Hi there, welcome to Inside MERS Investments. I'm Kristen Ballar, MERS General Counsel. I manage all of MERS legal and compliance matters. I'm here today with Jeb Burns, the Chief Investment Officer, who leads MERS investment team in managing over $15 billion of assets for pension and other financial accounts. Hey Jeb, happy spring. Happy spring to you, Kristen. Didn't feel like it yesterday. No, actually, uh, it snowed yesterday, and I had to scrape the ice off my uh, windshield of my car this morning. Good old April 25th. Gotta love Michigan. Let's dive in. So instead of starting with our usual performance reviews, I wanted to start with some questions we've received from our customers. One being, um, there's been some financial security stories in the news lately, trouble with Silicon Valley Bank making headlines. Um, I know I have lots of questions. How does news like that impact the markets, and specifically MERS? Banking, you know, at its at its core is um, it's about confidence. And when that's shaken, that's when you'll have bank runs. And and that's, you know, since the beginning of banking, you know, throughout the U.S. history, that's happened periodically. That's why you have regulations in place. That's why you, you know, government backstops deposits for people, because it reinvigorates the system with confidence. And, you know, fear is what actually breaks a market. Usually there's a lot of um, excesses that build up, but it's that moment when fear is triggered that, you know, things start to go wrong. And that's really what happened with Silicon Bank. I think really what drove it is the same thing that's kind of driven you know the financial markets over the over the last couple of years. The general theme is rising interest rates, and I actually pulled up a note, um, did some research, and if you go back 15 months ago, you know the Fed rate, which is the rate that they charge banks to you know to borrow money, was like essentially zero. It was like you know, 50 basis points. Now it's five or 4.6. So if you think about that. Um, Banks were essentially not making any money, and so they weren't doing a lot of loans. But now the loans that they had on the books, right? You know, they could do loans now, making over four point six. So the spread means that they're they're losing money, and that's the situation that they found their, themselves in. Silicon Bank, in particular, you know, they have reserve requirements, and they invested in a lot of treasuries. Well, those treasuries are good; they're all going to be paid back. So there's not not an issue of, of you know losing money. But if you hold a bond at, at you know, paying like 1% and you can go out and buy one that pays 4%, the bond on the books is at a loss. If you mark it, you know, if you try to sell it, you know, you're going to get less money. So that's what happened. So suddenly it looked like they had, they had a lot of marks on their books, which were negative. And then that's, you know, where panic kind of ensued. You know, and frankly, it's, it, it was a, it also an issue of mismanagement. You know, we all saw this coming. And they should have um, they should have structured their portfolio to hedge out that risk. Banks that's what banks do. You know they know rates go up and down, and their whole job is to make sure that they hedge the risk so that they can you know, loan money to people. So you don't see this being? Do you see this being bigger than just Silicon Valley? You, you mentioned the interest rates. Do you see this having? Is this sort of a once in a million thing, or is this going to be a trend? Like I don't think we're going to go back to the global financial crisis. That that I I don't I don't think. But one of the things that happened. You know, back then in 2008, is you put additional regulations on the, you know, the too big to fail banks, right? You know, that the, the banks that were identified, you know, by the Fed and by the U.S. Treasury as being, um, you know, financially important enough that they had to be overregulated. They could not go down. So what we did is we increased their reserve requirements. Well, so if you have a higher reserve, you have to keep. You can't loan as much money. So what happened is a lot of the loan activity moved down to community banks, which is a, which is a good thing. Um, but that's why you're going to see most of those issues, problems will be at a, low, at a lower level. So you'll probably see increased regulation on those banks. 
but um, I think it'll be, there may be a few more issues, but I don't think this is systemic where you're gonna see a massive collapse. And, and I think the most important thing, and everyone needs to remember is, um, you know, the Fed, the Treasury, and the government made it quite clear, you know, you know Secretary Yellen made it quite clear that they would backstop this. So in, instead of, you know, you know, accounts up to 250,000 were guaranteed, all deposits were guaranteed, and that put faith back in the system. Right, and kind of quelled some of the concern that the media had been kind of stoking. So, it did, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I like to hear about regulations, you know, as a lawyer, I love Love regulations. Well, we love them here in, in, in the U.S. There's no question about that. And I think we're going to learn to love them even more. <laughs> uh, well, that was all really interesting. Thanks. Another customer question we continue to receive is, you know, again, about the continued impact of inflation on the economy in general. Um, I think specifically, you know, can the Federal Reserve truly control inflation by raising interest rates? Is this, is this working? The answer on one level is yes. But if they do it too aggressively... You know, then then you'll have, um, you know, not just a, a slowdown or a recession, but you could you could go in depression if they if they raise rates too much. But yeah, they, they can, they do have that ability. But they, it's 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 a it's a nuanced dance because you want to raise rates to kind of like quell inflation, without the the ideal situation what they call soft landing is where you have a slowdown, you don't have a recession or a significant recession, inflation comes down and then the cycle starts again. In modern times, which basically be the lives of yourself and our lovely technicians managing this, uh, that hasn't happened. Normally, as they raise rates, you end up going into some kind of recession. So I think they, they can, but, um, and then there's another issue that is not spoken of enough is, you know, when you raise rates, your cost of servicing your debt goes up. You know, so if rates go too high, we, we saw that recently, is so rates have gone up, mortgage rates have gone up, right? They used to be able to get something at like 3%, now you got over six, six and a half, closer to seven, and then you saw refinancing, new purchases slow down. You know, they kind of halted. So that's the issue. One other you know, item that I think is, is gonna make inflation stickier over the longer term is there's about a 2.4 million deficit in housing. So as millennials are you know, maturing as a, as a demographic cohort, they're forming households. You know, they've been in apartments. You know, eventually that, that's what people do married, they have kids, and then they, they need a bigger house. So that's a push on inflation. Um, demographics also is, is a tailwind to inflation, too, because, you know, everyone I've talked to, regardless of industry, regardless of where they're trying to hire people, you know, it's difficult to find people right now. So that puts, you know, upward pressure on, on wages, or at least they need to, they stay higher. So I, I think it's a long way of saying they can stop it, you know, they can fight inflation, but there's there's other forces that are probably going to make it higher for a bit longer. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, if interest rates are higher and buying power is down with, with housing, um, but if wages are higher, you know, how are we supposed to be keeping up with the $7 dozen eggs and all the consumer good, goods prices that are continuing to skyrocket? And that, that right, that, that's the big issue. That's the issue that, you know, politicians and central bankers really worry about because now you're, you're talking about, you know, you know, cultural and societal issues and, you know, calm amongst the populace. And so, you know, that's the hard question. And it, whether, you know, eventually prices get too high and they reset, it's as simple as that. And we've actually said that. I'll go back to housing. Um, and you saw the rates got up. So the housing, you know, has taken, um, housing starts are down a little bit. Um, you're seeing kind of prices peak. You know, they're not, they're not rising as high as they were simply because people can't finance. Well, you know, rates will at some point, 
you know, equalize, and then you're going to see that number go back up. So, and also, is if there's wage pressure, right? You get a higher salary, you can live with seven dollar eggs. So, that, so it, in a weird way, the system does have a way of um, finding kind of equilibrium. Thanks. Um, so, so follow on on the Federal Reserve. Um, some experts are saying their actions are indicating that a recession may be likely. What does that mean for MERS? So, the important thing for I think our listeners to know about MERS is. We're an institutional investor, so pension funds are generational. They're designed to last in perpetuity. Right? So we, as we you know, build our investment portfolio, um, our policy statements, our guidelines, we take into account the full business cycle. So recessions, for us, it's not a matter of if but when. They will happen, right? You're going to have slowdowns. You're going to have peaks and valleys. You're going to have bubbles. So we try to build a resilient kind of all-weather portfolio that you know grows but you know, absorbs the shocks. Right? So what's happening now, when we talked earlier about interest rates, the rise in interest rates, you know, that increased the cost of borrowing money for corporations and for individuals. So it naturally, at some point, it starts to slow the economy down. If it goes too high, corporate profits don't just slow down, they now go negative, they lay people off. So there's a cascading effect. So that's, that's why they're saying that a, a recession is likely because it's, First off, historically, that's what happens, and just, that's just how the math works. I think, though, that we are in a different era than we were. So let's go back, you know, go back to when, like the '80s and the '90s, when you know the bulk of our um, economy was uh, manufacturing, right? Um, but today, it's now service. Also, you have companies, even on the industrial side, you know, they've got better technology. They manage their supply chains much, much more efficiently. So inventories don't build up. So we find ourselves in a situation where what I think is going to happen is you could have almost a rolling recession. So it's already happened. We saw it in tech, laid off a lot of people. We saw it in the financial sector. Housing slowing down right now. Autos, not quite there, but that that's happening. Um, and so I, I don't think you're going to see like one great shock unless there's some kind of geopolitical event or something like that. I think it's going to go through the sectors. I think what you'll see is a slow slowdown in growth. Um, a technical recession is two quarters of negative GDP. You might not even see that. And also because of the uh, difficulty in hiring people, historically, you know, over the last couple of decades, businesses didn't overhire. Now we're in a situation where just finding people is very difficult. So while you may have, I think, a slight recession. Um, I don't think you're going to see unemployment go that high, so maybe something in the in, in the four percent. But I think you're going to see it more go like certain sectors are going to get hit, and that'll go on over over a couple year period. So like a recession light, if you will. That's th that's what I'm anticipating. Now that's you know for individuals experiencing it, it's very real. Yeah. Well, I guess let's move on to some more positive news. Uh, can you share your quarter one performance report, please? I'd be happy to. I'm always happy when I have positive numbers. And uh, so uh, we had a really, really strong first quarter of the year. Uh, the portfolio was up 4.2% uh, and uh, driven mostly by, um, you know, really, I mean, it, it was across all sectors, but, you know, the U.S. did very well. And, uh, and, and tech kind of rebounded a little bit. Um, I don't think that's a trend uh, I'd buy for the next 10 years, but... Uh, but yeah, it was a you know the end of the year was you know twenty twenty two was was difficult, but the first quarter was good, so we're gonna we're gonna bank that and um, you know we're more than halfway to our actuarial rate of assumption. So great. So if that happens every quarter, all our dreams will come true. 
<laughs> Reaching that equilibrium, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that, you know, when I think about the portfolio and how we're structured, um, again, I think inflation's kind of, for the moment, is peaked, but we still, we have a lot of, you know, uh, real assets, farmland, um, commodities, and we have a diverse portfolio. And for the most part, I think going forward, we've seen active management do better. Um, you know, if I look at the trailing 12 years, uh, or pardon me, trailing 12 months, and, um, you know, I think there's going to be opportunities outside the U.S. where um, a active portfolio that's, you know, globally diversified is going to do better than kind of that 60-40 portfolio that worked for so well for, for so long. I think we're in a really good position to, uh, you know, do well. Well, I, you know, I got to ask you this. Do we have any, you, know, you mentioned sort of, you know, agricultural things like that. Do we have any investments in egg farms? We don't. We, we maybe, do not have time. any in egg farms. Um, Are they called egg farms? I think we call them egg farms. But uh, although I have actually gone to farmers and got eggs, you know, right from the source. But no, we haven't. That's something, we, oddly enough, we've never looked at. Well, maybe something to think about for the future. Yeah. Uh, well, I always like ending on a good note. That's great. Um, look forward to speaking with you again next quarter. Excellent. Look forward to it. And, you know, as we close, there's talk of a special guest at the next Is podcast. there? There is talk. There is talk. But we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to see, see how their schedule works out. Okay. I'm excited. All right. See ya. Bye. Look for another episode of Inside MERS Investments next quarter for continued great discussion on MERS investment performance and strategy. This podcast is intended as general information only and should not be regarded as investment advice.